Coyote Edelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb Savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long-form career retrospective type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors, and industry experts. The horned infant known as Rough Magic emerged from the primordial ooze when the band moved from the historical town of Lindenburg in 2012 to the capital city of Pretoria, South Africa. There they honed their craft for a few years before finally entering the studio to record for the first time. Now with a number of EPs and two lauded albums under their belt, not to mention a megaton of local and international touring, Rough Magic are Johnny Holiday on vocals and guitar, Cowboy Bez guitar and vocals, Jimmy Glass on bass, and Stephen Bossman drums. Four horsemen are the feedback apocalypse who know what they want to say and do it without apology. Up next on Celebs Front, we've got Johnny Holiday from Rough Magic. Where do we find you in the world? How are you doing and what's happening in your life? Well, currently, I'm back in South Africa. Basically been catching up on sleep since we had a whole month of touring and then some time spent in Scotland as well. Back on home soil, having a relax in the good old SA sun. So now let's rewind. So all the way back to the beginning of your journey in the entertainment or the music industry. So whatever age that started, whether as child or teenager, and then how did that progress to joining the band Rough Magic to accumulate to where we are today? That is a long question. Um, <laughs> me and Jimmy, the guy that plays bass in the band, we started off playing in some punk bands together probably around the time we were 17 or 18. Okay. And we kept doing that for quite a while. But we scattered for a year. We were uh, living abroad for a year and not doing any musical stuff. And then we got back and we were like, ah, we have to get really serious about this. So I think around 17 or 18 is when we started. And then around 2013, which I'm guessing at that point would have made me 21. Yes, that's correct. Um, is when we moved to the big city, which was Pretoria, because we grew up in a really small town called Leidenburg, and we were playing punk music, I think, just to annoy the locals more than anything else. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, yeah, so we moved to the city, and we were like, this is the place that we should be playing punk. We realized we're not very good at playing punk. <laughs> we reassessed. And then the first um, instance of Rough Magic as a band came about in uh, 2015, when we started doing live shows and started doing the sound that we're now used to the sound now is more like rock am i correct it is yeah we still we've always maintained the punk ethos i think in terms of how our live shows go and our aggressive diy marketing and all of that but the music changed into a more rock and roll kind of thing sometimes it has influences from our old music but mm. more or less it's just a it was a change yeah but a good change. We yeah. enjoy what we do now. So. Why did you feel that you weren't good at punk? And what was the thing that's, okay, let's transition to rock and roll compared to any other genre? I think the thing is, we were, like I said, we were playing to annoy the locals, which yeah. at the time as teenagers felt like a really big statement. You know, it felt like something like we were doing something really good. And then we moved to the city and we met actual punk bands and we realized they all have, you know, they have something proper they're standing for. And we were like, oh, we were just here to be loud and abrasive okay. um, from the get-go. So we kind of reassessed in that way. Um, and then we were like, well, let's just have it be rock and roll then. The, the name, why the name Rough Magic and why the spelling? No particular reason. Well, there is a reason, but it doesn't sound as impressive. But we were looking for a name at the point and I was looking for a show that I was meaning to download and it was an old horror 
series that was meant to be based on H.P. Lovecraft, um, and it had a pilot episode, but only a pilot episode, never went further than that, and the pilot episode was called Rough Magic. And okay. We were like, oh, that's got a ring to it. Yeah, so we just kind of had it as a as a space saver for a while. Yes. And then we started using it, but we realized if you type in Rough Magic, it's, there's a lot of other suggestions and stuff that you can find. We were like, all right, we'll change the spelling. And it worked out really well because the way we changed the spelling uh, made it so that if you now type Rough Magic into Google or anywhere, we're the only thing you can find. So it worked out. We're really yes. optimized in that way. <laughs> Let's dive into your creative world. So writing music, creating a song from zero to three to four minutes. What is that process like? Do you all collaborate together? Or is it one person doing the music, one person doing the writing? Let's unpack your creative world. Well, so it's fluctuated over time. It depends where my mind's at, because sometimes I, I suffer from severe insomnia. Oh, okay. And then what happens is I'm awake until five in the morning and I occupy my brain by just composing little things that don't necessarily become songs. But sometimes if it becomes a trend of me just staying awake, I just end up writing a bunch of songs like the basic riff and the melody and lyrics and then bring it to the other guys and then everyone puts in their pieces, basically. Um, but we do have a lot of times where it's a collaborative effort as well. It just kind of depends on the season, I guess. Sometimes it's just all of us jamming out something in the jam room and it just sounds good and that becomes a song eventually. There's no real rhyme or reason to it. It just... As soon as something sounds good, then we work forward on that. Yes. Now, you, so you mentioned that you just came back from uh, performing overseas. So what do you, you personally and as a band, enjoy, guys enjoy performing live? I mean, there's a lot of different things, but I think the two best uh, moments on stage for me, and I assume similarly for the rest of the band, is if you get really good crowd participation, everyone's just really into what you're doing. And we've had a lot of that over the last month and a bit. It was really cool seeing people get into our music. And then there's also the moment on stage where everyone's just on it. You know, you yes. have a, like a second on stage where you just look around to the guy next to you and he's just playing the solo perfectly. And yeah. the other guy's just scratching the drums and the other guy's just doing the best thing you can possibly do on the bass. Uh -huh. And everything's just so tight in that precise moment. That's a good feeling. You just, for that second, you're like, yes. We've done it. We're winning. Okay, so I've got a point of discussion around this. So I'm that person who is right up in front, who's jamming, having a good time. And I notice the people around me are so busy with their cell phones, taking pictures, taking videos, tweeting, posting, whatever they're doing. Do you find as a person on the receiving end, seeing a bunch of phones, potentially, uh, you know, compared to faces, do you find that sometimes there's a disconnect or is just where society is at the moment? I think it's where society is at the moment, but it also depends on where you are. Okay. Um, so we played a festival in Portugal that we have some cool footage from. And most of the people in that crowd did not have their phones okay. operating. They were just enjoying the music. But then some other places in Germany it's, or in the Netherlands, we had a lot of people just shooting it. That's also cool. So then what happens is you end up getting footage of the band from the crowd perspective, yes. which is quite nice because mostly we don't have everyone filming at the same time. So you get footage of the band, but you also get footage of people in the front line like you just having a really good time. And that's yes, yes, yes. fantastic. I love me a CD. I still buy my CDs. I still budget for them. I love that aesthetic of holding something. For me, it's a thank you to you guys for all your hard work and energy that you put into it. I'm not sure if you're aware that CDs, vinyls, and cassettes are making a massive comeback. In fact, last year alone, at the end of last year, 
um, in the UK alone, there were 5.5 million vinyls sold, the biggest since 1990. So all these dig- uh, physicals are making a comeback, but we've also got these digital platforms. What are your perceptions around the way people consume music, and do you have a preference for yourself? I'm not such a big fan of the digital platforms, but more so about their uh, payment structures, but I think that's most artists at this point. <laughs> yes. um, but it is convenient. That's yes. the thing. If I'm sitting down now and I really want to look up a band that has one album out and they've got a hundred followers and they're super obscure, I can find them online and I can listen to them, which mm. is really great because in South Africa, I wouldn't be able to find their tape or CD or a vinyl or whatever. Yeah. So in that way, it's great for me, but I do enjoy the physical product more. I like having them for our band, but I like collecting as well. Um, for me, it's more so vinyl. I like collecting yeah. vinyl and especially if it's got nice packaging, you know, if it's got a good gatefold and maybe a pull-out poster that you can check out. That's It's cool for me. I don't know. It feels like you connect more with the music then because you ha- you're able to page through the thing, see yes. the whole design as you're listening to the album. It's really cool. For me, that's the ideal where we are in the world and we need these digital platforms uh, to some degree, you know? Yeah. So hopefully they'll get better with Payment. with certain points, but <laughs> yeah. otherwise they're there and that's fine. Yes. If it wasn't for them, at least we wouldn't be able to be touring Europe because nobody would have heard of us. So, exactly. So there are pros and cons for it. But uh, also the thing is that the person who's never bought a CD or never bought a vinyl, you know, they're missing out on that experience of, whether, you know, I mean, there aren't shops in South Africa, but there are shops in overseas, London, like HMV and that. So going there, looking through the, you know, the different sections, deciding, okay, cool, I'm going to get this one, this one, getting home, unwrapping it. That whole journey and that whole experience is so much fun. And so many people, especially of the younger, younger people, have never experienced that and don't know it and I think are missing out. <laughs> I agree. I think they would enjoy it very much if they – but it is happening uh, – more or less, I don't know yes. about around South Africa, but at least when we're in Europe, we sell a lot of vinyl and CD, usually at our merch table, and yes. um, it's young people buying it too. You know, oh, that's so good news. I think yes. it's getting a yeah, it is a resurgence that's happening. So I don't know. We'll see where the world is in ten years from now. I guess. Yes, <laughs> I totally agree. Okay, so I love this game. I know if I if I had to ask you this question in two minutes, two hours, two days. I recognize and understand your response will be different every time, but there's thousands of them. But if you had to push play to five songs by other artists, once we finish this conversation, what would those songs be and by whom? That is interesting because that changes all the time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but most currently I've been on a, quite a large Queen binge. So it'll okay. probably be something by Queen. I don't know if you've ever heard the fast version of We Will Rock You. Oh, no. Um, if not, that is something you can look up thanks to all these <laughs> yes. internet streaming platforms. So yeah. go check it out. Just type We Will Rock You Fast version. It was the BBC live recording session. It's really, really good. It's one of my favorites right now. Keep going back to it. Probably I've also been um, listening back to the latest record by Queens of the Stone Age because as it came out, I was really busy with organizing tour stuff and whatnot. So I didn't have a chance to properly listen to it. So I've been getting into that again, and I don't know, probably Carnivore or Emotion Sickness from that album is something I'd be listening to right now. Then our other mates in South Africa, the Tasers, have made some really cool music over the last while, most specifically their song Berlin. Really Mm -hmm. like that one, so probably I'll give that a spin. Then another South African band called Acid Magus. They've just released a new album called Hope is Heavy. 
which I've also been spinning quite a lot. So probably okay. I'll go back into that, check one of those songs out. And then the last one is really hard because it will probably be James Brown. I guess that's a, it's a good go-to for me. Usually if I end up running through everything that I wanted to listen to, then I just listen to James Brown. I can, I guess I'll listen to the boss by James Brown to end it off. Okay, cool. Interesting list. Uh, some to add to mine. Okay, now what's what's the way forward for the band? What's next coming up? Well, short-term plans are we're all just getting our heads back together while we're here. Um, our drummer is getting married, so we're all attending the wedding. And there's an, someone else getting married where we're all attending the wedding. So it's a lot of family in and out right now. Only for about three weeks. Then we're back on the road in Europe again, hitting some festivals over there in Belgium and Germany and the Netherlands and touring with another cool band called The Great Machine from Israel. And that's short term. That's in October. Yeah. We'll be there. Um, long term, we'll be back in Europe twice again next year, probably around May and again somewhere in the fall or maybe closer to winter time. And in between, right now, we're aiming for the U.S. as well to hit probably a month-long tour over there. And in SA, just some SA touring. I'm trying to get some stuff going with some of our favorite bands over here, and we'll see how much we can work in between our other touring schedules. But yeah, so basically, just busy, busy, busy. That's the thing. And somewhere in that time, we need to find space to record a new album. So we'll figure that out. Probably it's going to be when everyone's having December vacation, we're going to be recording. But, you know, that's the life. Yeah. (laughs) And have you been to to the US before or not as yet? No. So if we do it next year, which is our plan, it will be our first year hitting it. So we're excited for that. Um, we think it can be cool. We've got some really nice contacts now, proper booking agents over there, so we can make something work. But we haven't been yet, so it's going to be interesting to see what it's like over there. I think it's a it's a whole different ball game oh, than yes. Europe. The same way Europe is a whole different ball game from South Africa. So yeah. <laughs> we'll see how Absolutely. it goes. So the audiences in South Africa and Europe, where you've mainly performed, what are the different? I mean, the audiences are similar in the way they connect with the music. Okay, but it is a different thing in SA, and I love the SA scene, but to a degree, a lot of people come out for the party more so than for watching the band. Whereas we find in Europe, when you play a show, everyone will watch the band playing, and then yes. in the gap in between the two bands, everyone will go get a drink real quick, and they'll get back to the stage. Yes. Like intermissions between a theater piece. Mm. And that's that's a different thing. We don't have that as much in SA. Not that the SA scene is not supportive. It's just a different type of culture around it. That's, I think, the main difference for us when we're touring over there. And then also just size-wise, um, it exponentially grows in terms of if we're playing, I mean, even small-scale European festivals are 5,000 people, yes. whereas small-scale South African festivals range between 2,000 to 3,000 people. You know, It's different in that sense as well where everything just kind of scales up a little bit. So the podcast is listened to throughout the world. So as a final message to the listening audience, what would you like to say? Look out for us. We're on the road and we'll be in your town soon. <laughs>